It's Rhythms of Grace. (laughs) (laughs) So much energy. (laughs) I'm doing my best. I'm Nate. I am here with Christine and Sung. And we are in season... I think we said six. Six X. And it's about transitions. Mm. We talked sort of generally about the transitions in our own lives um, in previous episodes. But now we're actually going to get a little bit more theoretical. Right, Sung? Um, conceptual, but with yeah, a lot yeah, of uh, personal examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better way to describe it. Mm-hmm. So what do we lay it on us? So as it relates to transitions, and you mentioned this a bit uh, in one of the previous episodes, uh, this book by William Bridges called Transitions, and the subtitle is Making Sense of Life's Changes, Strategies for Coping with Difficult, Painful, and Confusing Times in Your Life. Mm-hmm. He lays out three... Um, distinct uh, stages of transition. And we're going to go through each one uh, in the next three episodes and just talk about, uh, yeah, our own personal stories and how we, some suggestions in terms of practices of how to recognize different stages of transition and how to navigate them well. So just as a quick summary, he talks about uh, endings as one of the first stages, which is what we're going to talk about today. And that is when something closes out, something ends and uh, it's a loss. There's grieving, there's sadness, but there's how, how do you turn that to really be an opportunity uh, and, and even a reason to celebrate? Yeah. I think it's good to remember that also some of these, even even if we're going to call them losses, they can be self-initiated. Yeah. Like it isn't always something that is Happens done to, to you. you mm-hmm. Right. But you can actually make a choice. And in that, you're sort of making an ending happen. Yep. Yeah. The second thing is what he calls the neutral zone, which uh, again, I know Nate, you've read this and I've read this and it's uh, such a helpful uh, concept, which is this kind of in this middle phase where you're, you're beyond what ended, but you're not yet at this new beginning. And you kind of feel like you're just lost and wandering and you just feel like you don't know what you're doing or who you are maybe. We've, yeah. we've talked about liminal spaces yep. in other mm-hmm. episodes, but this that's also sort of what we're talking about. Yeah, here. and this is a really important stage in terms of reorientation and really discovering what is it that you really want or what God is really calling you to. Mm-hmm. And then the final phase is new beginnings, which is, yeah, how do you launch off a new season, a new stage of life or career or relationship. And so that's, that's your specialty, right? Christine, that's, that's all I do (laughs) is launch new things. (laughs) Happy, happy beginnings, not sad endings. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were here in the previous episodes, right, we got like Eeyore Nate (laughs) 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 and uh, happy go lucky Christine. Yep. That's me. And I'm the referee in between. (laughs) Stay in your corners, folks. (laughs) So let's talk about endings. Uh, Now, most people, and I would say organizations, companies, churches handle endings oftentimes very poorly. (laughs) Yeah. People either burn bridges, it's all or nothing, or sometimes we take the 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 ending of a certain stage way too seriously as if like it 
like it's fine. It, it is final. Mm-hmm. There is no sequel to this. Mm-hmm. That it is not a precondition for something new. It, it's just the final end. Right. Everything is ending. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can feel that way, whether work or relationships. Right. Like it feels like death. Mm-hmm. Um, or so on one hand, we could take them too seriously at the same time. I feel like uh, the other option is we just avoid. Sure. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If, whether it's post breakup or ending of a job or it's like, nope, I'm fine. Everything's yep. fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking at Christine. I know. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Nate is looking at me and I, I do think, you know, that's at first, you know, Sungy presented the first two options. I was like, cannot relate, but you know, when, when we said we were talking about endings, my first thought was like, I don't know that I've had any like endings in my life. Like I've only had a bunch of new beginnings um, <laughs> because it's, it's hard, it's hard to engage with like endings as an idea, mm. unless I force myself to acknowledge like, oh, this is something to be, to be recognized because it's easy. Right. And it mm-hmm. feels maybe better to avoid the ending or to yeah. avoid acknowledging that. But yeah, yeah. but endings are important. Yeah, so let's talk about endings. When you, we talk, when you think of endings, are there any milestone events or life quakes where you could think of uh, love, work, life, where endings came to play? And how? Uh, and as you talk about that, talk about the the steps or the feelings of going through all of that. Uh, you want to go? Sure. I'll, okay. I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one that, that comes to mind again, just thinking about, okay, if I'm, uh, not skipping ahead to the new beginning, uh, is, is graduating college, um, which is, you know, for me a fairly recent <laughs> ending, um, in the scope of things. And, and it is, it was, um, hard to see, like for four years, um, I had spent my whole life pouring into two degrees and those programs and the communities. And I worked at the school and I, um, did ministry at the school and just seeing all of that come to an end and just looking out and seeing nothing Mm -hmm. on the horizon. Um, and, and knowing I was not just leaving the school, but the state and my friends and, um, and, and feeling like, again, you know, for me, my natural thing was like, this isn't an ending. It's a new beginning. This is just like a, you know, jumping off into the unknown. Um, and I remember having to force myself to like, I need to participate in these, um, kind of milestone activities so that I don't just float through life and be like, Oh, when did I, Mm -hmm. when did that shift even happen? But really acknowledging those endings. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I've, I've sent my second, uh, child out from the home and we, we, we traditionally do gap years. So it wasn't straight to college, but like out of the home. And for me, that marks a very clear, uh, line that is sort of the ending of them as being predominantly like my child under my roof Mm. and a new phase of something that, that depending on the kid, I think that could look different. But for me, there's always a very clear line where it's like, you've graduated and now we sort of are like tr- like sending you out. So this season is over. Um, and it, it was it's getting easier, mm-hmm. but it 
it, there's, there's a ton of grief um, that, that comes with that. There's a ton of reflecting on what it's like to have all of us around the table at the same time mm. for every meal or, um, even like you, st- this is, man, I'm so old. You start to think <laughs> back to like what your kids were like when they were little mm. and kind of realizing like, Oh, we'll never have that again. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is gone. And there's a lot of grief there. Um, so that's, that's one of the primary ones that comes to my mind. So with that, Nate, um, and this is a question for both of you, uh, you know, in college you have graduation. I mean, in, in other grade levels too, it's a way to ritualize the end of a journey or a chapter in your situation, Nate, with sending off your second, um, out into the world. Is there a family ritual or ceremony where you get to mark the end of a, a, a season? That's a, that's a great question. In fact, when we were talking about sort of offline talking about the idea of endings, rites of passage has always been something that's so fascinating to me because we don't really have very many ways that we mark significant transitions in our lives anymore. Uh, Some cultures do, but here sitting, you know, in Michigan in 2022, we don't do that. Um, And so ours are pretty informal, but usually there's like a final sort of like meal the night before where we make sure everybody's in town, if we can make it happen. Um, And, and then sort of like seeing them off, you know, onto a bus or onto a plane or something like that. So really, there's really just a couple hours that sort of feel like, but, and I think we'll probably get into this more. There's tons of things leading up to that, Mm -hmm. that sort of are markers preparing for the final, the final transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when it came to, I realized too, I'm really bad with endings too. When I graduated from college and I left campus, I remember my friend said to me, cause a lot of people, it's like, Oh, you have a final party. See your friends. And my, my roommate said, sung like you, you like just, you packed everything into your car. You went and played a game of basketball. And then you said goodbye, hopped in the car and drove off literally. <laughs> And uh, again, I'm kind of like you, like new beginnings, yeah, yay, yeah. you know, and sometimes uh, I forget to celebrate mm-hmm. an ending yeah. or to ritualize it in a way to mark off a new beginning, which we'll talk about in a couple of episodes from now. But that, that's, that's the thing that struck me is, oh yeah, as you were talking about college, mm-hmm. Christine, like, oh yeah, I, 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 I. Not that I handle endings badly. I just don't handle them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how much of that do you think is because we're sort of like always encouraged to look for like the next the next thing, yeah, and, and sort of like look for the next thing. Yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think human existence has always been that way, but it certainly feels that way now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think you know, with um, for me, I'm a big fan of the Irish goodbye, as the saying goes. I'm I like, was going to bring up the yeah, Irish goodbye. <laughs> I'm like, if I could just walk out the door. Are you actually Irish? Um, I am a variety a of, variety. of okay. European. I'm part Irish. I am yeah. too. Um, if but, you just believed that I, I said that and you actually said you are, <laughs> you're a fool. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Nate and I just ignored it. We're just we're ready to move on. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> Um, but I, for me, what I found to be really important is, is letting myself grieve privately. Cause I'm such a social person that when I'm like, if another person is in the room, 
I'm going to be smiling. I just love, I love people, even if it's a goodbye. Um, and so for me, it's, I've found it's really important to like, let myself feel the feelings. Mm. And for me, that, that has to happen by myself. So part of the, one of the rituals I've moved, I mean, dozens and dozens of times over my life, which if you do the math, that's like once per year, pretty much for my whole life. And so it's really important to like ritualize that, that moving on of, of walking around with God and just like letting myself remember and letting myself process with him and, Mm. um, and, and seeing the trees that I walked past every day or, um, just feeling the feels by myself. It's, uh, it's interesting. I've been thinking about how I, cause I, I was, I was, and maybe still am a bit of a bridge burner. Mm. Um, and I've been thinking like, why is that the case? And ironically, it's because I'm also a very loyal person. Mm. And so it's hard for me to say goodbye to something unless I can convince myself that like something has gone wrong. Then it's kind of like, oh, it's time to hmm. end this, whether it's a job or a relationship or whatever. So um, I, one of the things that I have been working on as a personal discipline is to not and leave angry, to not mm. end angry. Like that for me is a pretty significant mm sign and that's not all it's not always the case but for me in general if i'm if i want to leave because i'm angry that almost always means it's not the time for the end Mm. like it means i gotta sort something out and either come to grips with whatever feels wrong and make it right or simply be willing to say it's time to move on and that's fine Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be mad for that to be the case yeah because i'm a bridge burner baby (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a really good insight, though. I, I bet a yes. lot of people can relate to that. I, You know, I think it was, I honestly think it was um, Dave Collins who told me one time that when it comes to leaving church, he's like, some people just need to leave angry. Like, mm. like they can't. That's the, and I, that, that's when I first started to think about it, mm. where I was like, oh, I think I do that, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I think he's the one that sort of brought it to my mind the first time. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, how about in terms of, well, yeah, let's, let's dive into endings and relationship. Mm -hmm. Any. So I, I, one of the things that I was, um, thinking about, especially like with my kids leaving is that I actually have, they're not, again, there isn't like a milestone, but there are certain markers in my own mind whereby I transition from, um, like, uh, authority mm. to sort of a counselor. Yeah. Mm. And so I, I actually have this process that for my kids begins somewhere in high school where I try to do less of telling them what to do and more, um, sort of talking it out or trying to come up with a solution with them together because having adult children is like, it's, it's, it's a, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) Like in some ways I'm still their dad, but in some ways they don't have to do what I say at all anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I found that if I didn't work pretty hard to work that transition in over years, like the, the moment was just going to be too confusing for both of us. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to sort of work it in. From yeah. So there has to be some sort of disengagement, uh, like in this case, in your role. Yeah, totally. Uh, you're not the 
you're still their father, but it's from a different posture. Yeah. I mean, even like a real simple example is like curfews. Like they're like early on, it's like, this is your curfew. You need to be home. Mm -hmm. And it starts to transition to when are you going to be home? Mm. And then it's much more about like, uh, you need to keep your word. If you tell me that you're going to be home by Mm -hmm. 11, you just need to keep your word. This isn't about you disobeying me. This is about you being a person of your word. And so those type of transitions take place in as many areas as I can think of so that, you know, it, eases sort of the final step yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's interesting because you know when i when i first heard you know endings or transitions in relationship you know being i guess in, in my 20s i'm like oh you know the thing that comes to mind is is romantic relationships but it's helpful to remember like oh yeah there are those little like small deaths in relationship yeah. where it's like oh a death of this season or a death of this season or or this level of of trust yeah. relationship um, and yeah because for me, you know, my thought was like, ah, a breakup, you know, like um, about a year ago was, and I, I was thinking about this, like, I think it was the first time that I've had a breakup where it was um, not an escape, hmm. but an ending, if that makes hmm. sense, where it was hmm. like, oh, this was a, a healthy relationship that um, was was good in a lot of ways and it had come to an end. Um, and so I think kind of like, all other transitions in my life, you know, it was, it was like, oh, I had to force myself not to think of it as like, oh, this is going to be a new beginning for me and for him. And it's going to be, you know, it's a healthy, you know, choice that we're making. Um, and to really let myself grieve, like this is hard. Yeah. And this was the reason that like, you know, the breakup was hard was because it was good and there was a lot of goodness in it and a lot of, um, love. And so just letting yourself like, except that what is ending was good. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the powerful things about grief that mm-hmm. uh, well, like in, in general, I think we try to avoid grief because it means pain. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the beauties of grief is an acknowledgement that there is something worth missing. Yeah. You know, exactly. And if you look at it that way, there is a, there can be sort of a sweetness in the midst of the pain. Um, not that it's comfortable, but it's, but it's, it's good. I think it's necessary. Yeah. So in, let's say relationships, um, after uh, it comes to an end, tell me about any feelings of not, not only did you have to disengage from the relationship or your, your specific role in that stage, but sometimes there's this feeling of like disorientation, like the world is kind of spinning. You're trying to figure life out, maybe yourself out or your relationships out. Uh, walk us through kind of any of those feelings of disorientation during this, during a ending of a season. I feel like for me, one of the things that's most disorienting is um, because I'm such a happy person mm-hmm. when I, when I am grieving it's, it's almost like, again, like a challenge to my identity in like, in like a healthy way of, I just feel sad and I'm not someone who feels sad Mm. or, you know, just like really wrestling with even that part of it for me. Um, and like, is it, should I be trying to move past this? Should I like, where am I supposed to be emotionally and mentally right now is like, is, is something that I, I wrestle with, especially at the end of of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, 
not even in just relationships, but, but I think that's where it is most clearly evident for me. Again, I am very much a doer. I am always happy to just put my hand to the next thing, but in, in a transition or in the ending of a relationship or a role, there is the, it's necessary to just sort of sit in the sadness and, Mm -hmm. and just that, that for me is very different from the way that I operate with a lot of different areas of my life, which is like, oh, let's just, let's, you know, nose to the grindstone. Let's just keep rolling. Um, But in relationships, especially, I find it necessary to say, sit in the sadness of this. Like, you know, when my daughter left, there were weeks where we would just feel every day her absence. And there's nothing to do about that. It's not wrong to miss Mm -hmm. her. It's, you know, you just have to be sad about it. And, um, and that is, that takes practice for me. It's not, I'm, I'm not naturally one who sits in what I feel. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point because I think that's a, a lot of a lot of it, right? Is it's like this tension between it's okay to just sit in the sadness and nothing has to be done about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, yeah. that being sad isn't wrong and it's not something that needs to be fixed. It's just where you're at, um, which is hard for me too. Yeah. yeah. So that usually feels really bad. Mm-hmm. So how? any tips or... Um, insights to share let's say somebody has just broken up or somebody has just lost their job or or something has come to a a devastating and quick end Um, what do you say to the person where they're just sitting in the sadness and the last thing they want to do is just sit around Mm -hmm. and feel happy or feel different than being sad yeah because on one hand, Christine, you're somebody who, yeah, is just happy-go-lucky. What is this feeling of sadness, right? Yeah. And Nate, even though you're kind of more... Um, melancholy. Melancholy, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you, you're just like, hey, I'm just going to go do, 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 do. And, and that's not really a place to come to celebrate an ending either. Right. So how have you learned to sit in that sadness? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it's been, first of all... Um, bringing people into that Uh. Um, because as much as, you know, like people entering make me smile, but also having those people who I trust, who know what's going on in my life, who I can say before I'm ready to talk about it with, you know, on rhythms of grace, for instance, (laughs) Um, just to all of you (laughs) Um, to be able to have people who, who know um, and who are going to be able to be sad with me, but not, not drag me further down into the darkness, but just sit with me where I'm at. Um, that's been one of the most helpful things that I've learned to do. Cause I think I, I tend to be like, Oh, I don't want, I don't want to bring anyone else down. Like I don't want to, I don't want to make someone else's day worse by, by sharing this with them. Um, but realizing that, that that can be a way that I also am loving them, right. Is letting them walk this journey with me. I I think, I think two things come to mind. And if you've heard any of the previous podcasts, it will come as no surprise to you that one of my main strategies that I've, that I've had to learn is having mercy on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, my tendency will be like, if I work hard enough, I can fix this or I can feel better or I can ignore this or whatever. But just to say, man, it's okay that you feel that way right now. Yeah. Like you don't have to be better better might come probably will come 
you won't always maybe feel this bad, but for now, this is how bad you feel. Just like, that's okay. If that means you have to stay in bed, like do it. You know, that is not my jam. That is, <laughs> uh, that is not my jam. I, if I am, if I am not up by six o'clock, I feel like I've wasted the day, <laughs> but I have had days of grief where it's like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to go to bed and I'm just going to be in bed and that's going to be okay. Um, and I, we've had some tragedy in our lives that I think, look, I'm right now I'm even trying to justify it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to say sometimes I have been sad enough that that, that has been the right response. Yeah. But And I have to give myself some grace for that. Yeah. That's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing, and man, I this is going to sound like a trite answer, and I'm sorry. But I, I have begun to imagine... God, not as the fixer of my grief, but as my companion in grief. And that really, that that was a pretty transformational shift for me because my prayers became less, God fix this, God take this away, God make this right. And more simply, God, where are you? God, what are we, what are we doing what are we what are we thinking about what are we feeling what are we learning let's can we, we just be here together um and that has also made a huge difference in the way that i process endings mm-hmm. uh, because it isn't so much about just trying to get past it i'm a, I, I again i tend to be a fixer like if if something's broken i want to fix it if there's an ending that i want to start the next thing um but having to learn to to sort of sit in it both with mercy to myself and without sort of expecting God to like fix it uh, have both been really good for me. Yeah. And I think that brings to mind, you know, I think a lot of times, especially maybe for, for like my generation where there's just a lot of depression and anxiety coupled together and, uh, and a lot of like, uh, a lot of times there can feel like there are two paths. There's either you're just sitting, staring at the wall, feeling sad and letting yourself spiral, or you're anesthetizing yourself with your phone or TV or friends and never alone with your thoughts. And it feels like those are the the two paths available. Um, And realizing, you know, just there's that third way of instead of sitting, letting your thoughts spiral, like, okay, how can you invite God into this space and, and not feel like that means that you have to be fixed, but just inviting God into that sorrow with you. Um, and letting, you know, for me, like prayers, there's this one prayer, um, of Elijah where he says like, God, I have had enough. Mm. I am no better than my ancestors. Let, let my life end. Um, and, and then an angel comes to care for him. And I, you know, just like even praying the words of the prophets and then reading God's response to them or, or, you know, David, why my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And letting the words of the Bible shape my thoughts instead of the spiraling. Yeah. So the question would be like, what, what about the person who, is has experienced an ending, let's say not of their own volition. Mm. An ending has been thrust upon them and they don't feel God's presence. What 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 are you what do you say to someone like that? I mean, I feel like that is probably 
a more common experience yeah. than the other. Crickets, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's hard. It's hard to know. Um, because I think, I guess personally, there have been a lot of times when I haven't felt God's presence mm. in the midst of those transitions. And it has felt like, you know, I mean, I've been praying those words of David in earnest, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and, and not, not felt that. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in those spaces, I guess what I've told myself is, you know, cause you, you got to preach to yourself sometimes is like, you don't have to feel God to know he's here. Mm. Um, that, you know, that there's the Waymaker. The first time I heard it, I started sobbing. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Mm. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Um, because there's so many times that I have felt that. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, not in the urgency and the crisis of when endings happen to you suddenly, it's only uh, when you can look back. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really that really becomes the anchor of... yeah. I've can, I've always experienced God's faithfulness, even when I feel like he's not there. Looking back, you can finally see it. And really, those are the, t- those, those are the times that I have to continually remind myself of. Mm-hmm. Because in, in the midst of the crisis or something ending all of a sudden, whether it's a relationship, a marriage, or a job, it's, uh, you're just too traumatized. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's like when, when uh, it, if you injure yourself, you do that a lot, Nate. Right? Oh my gosh, like, do I? You know, the, the like a boar attacks you. I almost brought those boar tusks in today to show you, but I forgot. <laughs> like the 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 urgency of the pain right at that moment is just so high that it's almost all that you can focus on. Yeah, and everything else gets shut gets shut out of your senses yeah I, I think that's what happens spiritually like whatever circumstance befalls you the pain of that circumstance is so urgent and and such a it's so hot that all you could do is focus on that that again you lose all bearing and sense of anything else mm. and so in those moments it, it is it, it, it that's that's where it's not your feelings that come in, but uh, again, looking back on God's faithfulness and say mm-hmm. you know what it feels really bad right now yeah and, um, but holding on to his faithfulness. And, um, I, I think that just comes from, uh, the ups and downs of living faith, you know, your life and, uh, life of faith in Christ. I also think that that is where it becomes so helpful to sort of let endings be slow. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I want to be clear, we've talked about this before that like change is circumstantial and instantaneous, but transition, the transition of ending takes is like your emotions and, and your thoughts and your feelings sort of catching up to it. Um, and letting that be slow, you know, because you're right in, in a moment of crisis, there isn't time to process. There isn't time to think or feel anything except sort of like the 
urgent emergent emergency sort of situation. Right. But letting things unwrap slowly. And again, we're just not wired this way. Yeah. And we're we're actually told not to be this way in some in, right. in a lot of different ways. Kind of like get over it. Yeah, right. Bygone is bygone. Yeah. Yeah. Like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. keep a stiff upper lip. All these things that are kind of saying like just like make this quick and get on with it. Mm-hmm. And they're I think letting it unravel slowly is where all of the growth takes place. Yeah, yeah. which we'll talk about next episode. Um, but you're right, because you can't move on even into a new beginning without a proper ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you need to understand it. You need to, I would say, embrace it, celebrate it, and appreciate it. I'm, it's true. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I see people make or run through the same sort of ending cycle like over and over and over again whether it's a job transition or whether it's like a string of relationships or whether it's you know whatever it might be and i think that the cause of that is sometimes because they're not learning the lesson that is Mm -hmm. there in the ending Mm -hmm. so they're doomed to repeat it like over and over i mean again i'm I'm guilty of that myself 100 percent uh so you know I'm, i'm preaching to myself but i feel like i've seen it a lot yeah and again, even just that, um, th- there was something that you said earlier of like, you know, you have to um, like let yourself feel the ending and like uh, experience those those rituals mm-hmm. of um, of transition. And I think that can be something where, you know, for me as someone who doesn't like to acknowledge, you know, it's not an ending. There's just a bunch of new beginnings happening over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't acknowledge the ending, then then life just blurs, blurs past. Yep. You never know, you know, it's like, oh, well, first they were, they were babies and now they're teens and like what happened in between. Yeah. Um, so it's important to have like, to pay attention to the endings, to let yourself grieve that they used to be babies and now they're toddlers and yeah. they're walking around and, and now they're, they're in school and, and that's a new beginning. But if you don't grieve the ending, there's like, there's something lost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my wife has taken a couple people through um, sort of an ending ritual as they prepared to move out of Ann Arbor, and it's been really helpful. Where where again, people don't tend to, th- especially like you finish your degree or your residency or whatever. Like all you can think about is like the next job right. or they're getting married and moving. It's all about sort of like what's next, and there's tremendous value, tremendous value in walking and ending out thoughtfully. And she has them do things like thankfulness, um, but she also has them do things like, who do you need to forgive? You know, like who, what, what relationships do you need to forgive or, um, or who have you wronged other people that need to forgive you? Like sort of this, how do you really end your time and all the relationships in this city right. before you go on to what's next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that's also another tough transition when you go from, let's say, college life or grad school life where there's kind of a built-in community. And, you know, Nate, you and I have seen this over and over again over the years, and people go from that to kind of like working life. Yep. All of a sudden, it, like the, the community you had either in youth group or your college ministry, it it's not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that practice of being grateful and reflecting and 
and uh, righting wrongs is 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 a way to acknowledge that too. But also, this is where uh, th- that sense of loss and disorientation comes in. It's like, well, I'm not a student anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to pay you know bills and etc. And um, I'm not a uh, yeah. I, I have a regular job now from this time to that time, and, and it it can be very disorienting. And so I think celebrating the end of a chapter like we've been talking about, it is one of those helpful things. I, I think, and even if something has happened to you, right? I, I think of, let's say, the person who's just gotten divorced. Um, or, um, yeah, and and uh, that I, I, I do know from other people uh, who've gone through that, certain rituals that they have done to mark, mm. uh, not, not just legal, mm-hmm. but even... Uh, spiritual or just uh, personal rituals just to kind of both grieve and um, to, to mark the, the closing of a chapter too. Yeah. We, um, um, my wife just got a, a book. Um, it's, there's like this series of books called every moment holy, which are, they're sort of like lit liturgies for mm-hmm. they They're awesome. Um, and so they, good. Yeah, they have some that are like for sort of mundane events, right? You know, first day of school or whatever. Sort of a, a prayer for liturgy that you can go through. But they have one on grief and death that she just got. And again, it, you read it and you're like, oh my god, I've never thought about how to engage with this specific event. Yeah. Um. But thankfully, there are people that have, and right. uh, and so she's actually even gone through some of them with a friend who recently had a cancer diagnosis and was sort of like, I don't know what to do. You know, there's a little bit of a roadmap for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of, uh, for me, at least a couple things, um, one smaller, one large, one larger, um, the smaller, th- well, not smaller, but, um, in terms of significance, but we just came back from Philadelphia last week where I officiated Amy's grandfather's funeral and there was a moment where we were just talking and reflecting on the drive back and just both celebrating and just acknowledging our grief and sadness. When Amy said, yeah, like Pop-Up, who's Amy's grandfather, and I called him Pop-Up too, he is the last of a- any of Amy or I's uh, grandparents. He was the last one. Yeah. And so, and, and Amy said, oh, now our parents are the oldest ones alive in mm. our family. And it just struck me like, oh, wow, that, that is, that, yeah, that, that Papa being kind of the last one of that generation on yeah. either side of maternal, paternal, hers and my side. Um, we didn't talk much about it, but just after the fact, I, I just sat there in silence and just was reflecting on it and, and thought, man, that's, that feels really significant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that was one. And so uh, the, the other one too, and I'll say this too, because uh, as it relates to church, um, I remember when about five years into the new church plant where I let go of our worship leader. And uh, I, I think like you were saying, Christine, inviting people in, right? Like and Nate, you and Amy were there with Amy and I, mm-hmm. right? When, I mean, I was just a sobbing mess, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And like I, I fired him, but um, it, it, it was, it was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, letting people into your pain and your hurt. And for someone like me, that, yeah, letting people into that is not easy. Um, but I, I think that's part of the healing and part of the uh, 
the, the grieving that needs to happen. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, too, I, I mean, again, church-related, that was what, uh, 2014. Uh, yeah, Nate, you, under very different circumstances, you le- stepping out, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there, there is and has been a, a grieving in the sense of, oh, man, you know, the... Uh, just both celebrating that stage of the church and our relationship, but then also like, oh yeah, there's, there's an ending too. And I still feel that at times like, oh man, you know, and and there's a disorientation. What what does that look like now? And um, um, so, yeah, even in those things, even when you're not the one being fired, but, but in that, in the first case where I did the firing (laughs) or, or, uh, in this case, uh, a good transition, not a messy transition. Uh, there's still, yeah, there, there's a there's a ending that needs to be recognized. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I totally felt that, and I still do sometimes when when you talk about the the things that the church is doing. There's a part of me that's like, oh man, I I would really like to still be in that. Or I remember how exciting it was to be in the midst of conversations about a church adoption or merger or a facility renovation, you know, I like, and there's this sort of this twinge, this ache that's like, ah, that was really, I really, really liked that. And that doesn't mean that I should still be on staff, right? but, but it's a part of the grieving process. Mm -hmm. Now you get to be gored by boars. Oh my gosh, man. (laughs) And I, I think it's important, you know, I, sometimes I, uh, you know, ask myself, like, am I allowed to grieve my own decisions? Like, am I allowed to grieve yeah. for things that I chose? Like, if I chose to leave New Mexico and move to Ann Arbor, do I have a right to grieve what I left behind? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. You know, not only do we have a right, but like a responsibility yep. yeah. to grieve what we leave behind. And um, I think a lot of times we that's not the message we receive. Totally. Yeah. Well, with that, this episode must come to an ending. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so disoriented. (laughs) Uh, Well, you can join us next episode as we talk about the neutral zone, uh, how to embrace kind of the uh, space in between.